Welcome to the Alpha Female Podcast. I'm Robin Pino, formerly known as Baldwin, an essential oil educator, blogger, author, yoga teacher, MS thriver, and newly twin mama. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a show that will inspire you to embrace living like an alpha female. We'll guide you to create more work-life harmony for yourself, discover tips and tricks to achieve your goals and dreams, all while taking the best care of yourself. Now, on with the show. This show is brought to you by doTERRA Essential Oils. As an essential oil educator, I partnered with doTERRA in 2016 to diversify my income with them. I was drawn to the oils a few years before when I was diagnosed with MS and gifted an introductory kit with lemon, peppermint, and lavender essential oil. At the time, as I was learning to live with MS, I knew I needed to get better quality and quantity of sleep. So I started using lavender in my Epsom salt baths every night to signal to my body that it was time to go to sleep and the rest is history. I educated myself on the potency, purity, testing, and sourcing practices and discovered the company's heart of gold. So I'd like to do the same for you. I send out samples to anyone who has not yet tried doTERRA oils and you don't yet have a shopping account with them. So find me on Instagram. My new Instagram handle is at Robin Pino, and that's P-I-N-E-A-U-L-T. Send me a DM saying I'd love to try some oils and then let me know one health pain point you're trying to solve. Send me your shipping address from there and then I'll pop a care package in the mail for you. You are listening to the Alpha Female Podcast, episode 194. All links and show notes can be found over at robinbaldwin.com forward slash podcast. Today on the show, we're talking to Rochelle Ganesh Bain. Rochelle has always been passionate about movement. Movement and teaching people to love how they move became a focus for her as she eventually became a professional performer, dance, and fitness instructor. In recent years, while pregnant with her first child, Elliot, Rochelle became certified as a pre-postnatal fitness specialist and is now passionate about working with women as they transition into motherhood. Rochelle is currently the head trainer of Soul Fuel Fitness in Toronto, where she instructs a variety of classes and clients and also develops programming and workshops for children, teens, and pre-postnatal clientele. Along with auditioning and volunteering as a fitness coach for Move Camp, she's now pregnant with her second child who is due to arrive Earthside in September. Rochelle believes in helping and encouraging others to reach their full potential in all aspects of their lives. With this in mind, she promotes freedom of movement and expression, as well as active and healthy living for all. So Rochelle and I go way back to, I think, 2013, uh, when I started attending um, BCBD fitness retreat. So one of my really good friends, Eva Redpath, who, by the way, I should get on the show. Uh, sorry, tangent. Um, she used to host these amazing fitness retreats, uh, and she had this, I guess, like this class that she taught body conditioning by dancers. And so BCBD was the short form for it. And her and her, you know, class members would all go on these fitness retreats. And I decided to join, I never took her classes, but I decided to join them one year and went on, oh, I think like two, three two or three retreats. So we would go down to Mexico. We went to the Dominican. I think we went to Mexico twice. And uh, sorry, this is becoming a really long intro. And it was one of the best, best times in my life. I met one of my best friends this way. Um, and I absolutely loved meeting Rochelle this way. You'll hear in our episode that I had a profound impact on her at one of the retreats. And I had no idea. I had no idea. So 
if someone has made an impact on your life, this is just my like call out to go tell them. Um, I cry at the end of the episode. I don't know if you can, you might be able to tell in my voice, but like it just meant so much to me. So Rochelle and I have reconnected. She's become one of my doTERRA customers. And we were just talking about the transition to motherhood and how hard it was on me. And so we have a, uh, a pretty vulnerable, um, honest conversation. And uh, I just love her perspective. I love her zest for life. And I hope you enjoyed the show. So let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Rochelle. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I am so excited. And this is um, amazing because I think this topic series, I have a really good mix of women that I'm very familiar with. So you and I have a, a, a history and then I've got some uh, guests that are coming on the show that were introduced me from like podcast bookers, um, but it, they're giving a great perspective. So I'm really excited about the mix of mix of people. That um, sounds so awesome. Yeah. But, so great. Um, actually, the topic series was spawned from our conversation. So Rochelle is a brand new doTERRA customer of mine, and we did a wellness consult and was chatting about like the shock of becoming a mom and the new identities and all that. So when I was thinking of new topic series, I was like, you know what? I need to have this topic series just so I can have Rochelle on the show and we can hang out and chat. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Of course, because then we could just talk about everything forever. (laughs) Yeah. So that's the, that's the real reason. So like everybody thinks they have like votes on my Instagram polls, but like really it was, <laughs> it was already like preordained to like happen. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. I love that. Um, okay. So let's do the first question. What do you think of the definition of an alpha female as it has evolved over the years? And how do you see yourself as one? That's awesome. I love the definition of an alpha female. When I first heard it and first started listening to your podcast, I will say that I first started listening after I had Elliot and I was in that um, whole transition. How do I redesign my life to incorporate the fact that I'm a mother? And so when I was listening to it originally, it kind of intimidated me because I found that there were certain aspects that I, I, I'm very much still a work in progress in, in completing those, or there were aspects that I didn't quite relate to. For example, um, the ambition and being proud of it. I love that. I love that that is part of the definition. I struggle with that personally. Mm. So I struggle with the idea of being proud of what ambitions I've chosen in my life. And, and you've influenced me quite a bit in this actually, which is celebrating successes. So celebrating the fact that I am ambitious and that I can achieve my goals. Mm. Um, that has been a journey for me and it is still a process for me. And the same thing with putting myself first, I am fully aware that my (laughs) family and I in general, I cannot function and those around me cannot function if I don't put myself first. But being someone who is so um, dedicated to serving others, Mm. and I find that a lot of my purpose is in serving others, 
it's very easy for me to push myself aside Mm -hmm. and, and, um, you know, take care of another person instead. So I find that those are two aspects of the definition that I am working on Mm -hmm. for myself when it comes to what I can relate to, um, choosing health and happiness overall, uh, striving to find a balance and a constant work in process and finding that harmony in life is something that I think is um, so important. And then, you know, acknowledging that it is a work in progress because, you know, I want to turn into evolve and become the person I was meant to be Mm. on this planet. And I think that owning all of those things that you mentioned in the, in the definition, owning it and living it and stepping into your power. That's the definition of an alpha female. And that is what I'm hoping to continue to grow into. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I want to dissect some of that. Yes. (laughs) Um, owning your ambition and owning your successes. Would you say pre becoming a mom to Elliot, were you proud of your successes? Were you ambitious at that point? Um, and owning it and then becoming a mom, did you find that that started to shrink? Cause you're like, no, I'm, I'm a mom too. I'm trying to balance going after professional successes and professional ambition while also being a mom. Yes. Okay. So it's really interesting because I grew up in a family where what I was pursuing, um, you know, dance, the arts, fitness, all of that stuff that, that wasn't valued. Right. So when I had accomplishments in that arena, in that area, it, it felt like it wasn't actually a success. It wasn't actually something that was like fully ambitious. I was always told like, that's the fun thing. That's not real life. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the fun. That's uh, you do that for joy. You do that, but you do that for a you hobby. Know, other, yes, a yeah. hobby, exactly, okay. as opposed to a career. And so I found that I have a lot of drive in that area because that is my chosen career path. And I know that is what I'm destined to do and continue to do. And so I think I struggled the most with acknowledging that that is where my ambition lied and, or was lying. And that's what I'm was supposed to do. And then when it transitioned into motherhood, <laughs> it's just like, as we said, it's a full encompassing shift of identity. And I've said this to you before, the entire idea of you not only birth a, a human being, you birth your baby into existence, you birth yourself into a new identity of being a mother. Mm-hmm. And so what ended up happening was I ended up becoming more myself and more, um, more in tune with what I needed to do and how I wanted to live my life. I mean, this was a journey and a process, obviously it took a long time to get to, to get to this mindset. But in doing so, I realized that my ambition was valid Mm -hmm going after the goals I want are valid, whether 
I'm a mother or not a mother, and it's okay to strive for career goals that may be different from somebody else's uh, perspective, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and in the definition there, you know, I use the word unapologetic. Would you say that you have started owning being unapologetic as a mom, um, whether it's, you know, receiving a new level of confidence that we never had before? Um, and also like, you just don't have time for not being yes, unapologetic. Exactly. Like you just have, you don't have time to be apologetic about what you want. You, no. Yeah. You just go after all the things. Cause you're like, I don't have time to even think about it anymore. I'm just going to go do it. Exactly. Exactly. I find that, yes, I've definitely stepped into my own, found my own voice, even if it causes, um, you know, some rifts in relationships or what have you, uh, if it's, I've always been, and, and I know you've mentioned this before, um, you're a recovering people pleaser, I think mm. you said. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, I, there's a lot of things that I wouldn't say in a conversation or I wouldn't do um, before becoming a mom when I was like, no, this is how I mother. This is how I choose to live my life. And and definitely owning it is something that it like evolved in me through my motherhood journey. Mm, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. So one of the like most important questions that I think we'll get into quite a lot, because this is what inspired the series is we talked about kind of like the shock to the system that we had transitioning into the title of mom. So what was it like personally for you? Oh, my journey was very interesting. I was so naive beforehand, (laughs) like so unbelievably naive as to what it would mean emotionally, physically, mentally. I, I researched the birth and I, I did have a, a good birth experience, a very positive one. I was fortunate in that way. And, you know, it was that. And then I had this being (laughs) and then my husband and I decided to really change our lives because we didn't know what kind of parents we were going to be. I think my husband kind of knew, but, uh, we both ended up being attachment parents (laughs) and being career oriented and attachment parenting at the same time is like, what are you going to be doing with your life? Like, how are you going to figure it out? Um, so he, both of us ended up having such a crazy shift. Like I literally thought that I would just have coverage of my classes for a few months and then I would come back and totally be able to teach my classes and I would be fine going back to auditioning and all of that stuff. Like, oh, I'll just hand my baby off to someone and I can totally do it. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Like it was mind boggling. Also, the shock of the entire thing was the fact that Elliot came at 36 weeks and I was prepared to work until 38 weeks. Mm. So at 36 weeks, we had just moved into this apartment. Okay. So, so we moved in at when I was 34 weeks, we moved into this apartment, we had our baby shower and everything wasn't unpacked. (laughs) None of the gifts were open. And did you have a crib? 
No, no. We didn't have a car seat. We couldn't leave the hospital, Robin. We, <laughs> we were not ready. Yeah. We were not ready. It was a complete surprise. Um, we had to call my cousin who had a young child and say, can my brother borrow your car seat so that he could bring it to the hospital so we could take the baby home? Because mm-hmm. we had, we had nothing. We didn't have a bassinet. Um, he didn't, Elliot didn't have his bassinet until he was like two months old. I didn't know how long those last. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. So it was a really big shift. And again, because I wasn't fully prepared, I had kind of an idea of who was taking over my classes. And I, I, I filled out that, but they weren't ready to start right away and like all of this stuff. And so it, I was teaching at so many different studios at the time too. And it was just, it was just really, really messy. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that messiness, I, I kind of was able to like, let that go and really focus on nurturing my child. And, mm. um, and that first month especially was really, really special between Jermaine and myself. And then it started shifting. It started shifting. Like the relationships that come in and out of your life and and the people that you expect to be there Mm -hmm. or expect to accept how things are changing or going. Um, They might not be there for you in that way. You know? Yeah. Jermaine's her husband. Elliot's your son. Yeah. Just give some perspective. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> I am the worst. Yeah. Just, well, it's like we're chit-chatting and people are just eavesdropping, but I, I figured I would give some people some context. Um, Man is my husband. <laughs> did you have people giving you advice or did you seek advice um, as you were preparing to become a mom and like maybe it didn't sink in or do you th- like going back and thinking about it now, now, did you realize that like you didn't look for the type of advice that you wish you had? I definitely feel like I sought out the advice that was needed for me to have a successful birth experience. And I did not necessarily seek out advice in terms of the fourth <laughs> trimester yeah. and everything after. Um, I, I felt that Jermaine did that work. Mm. And that was really an interesting thing that happened was he was very, very concerned about learning how to take care of a baby afterwards. He would go to the restaurant. He tells me this now. He would go to the restaurant. He owned a restaurant at um, at the time I was pregnant. And he would go there and listen as he was preparing all the food for the day. He would listen to podcasts. He would listen to um, all sorts of different um, health professionals about <laughs> babies and baby care and all of that sort of stuff. So what ended up happening, which was really kind of crazy, is we ended up with two very alpha parents. <laughs> <laughs> so basically two mama bears in the house. Yeah. Um, so navigating that has been really, really interesting, but it also speaks to our lifestyle because we, we have made a lot of sacrifices where we work very much part-time and, and then childcare mm-hmm. full-time mm-hmm. essentially and juggle between the two of us. Yeah. 
So it's interesting. Uh, interesting. Okay, cool. Um, so, you know, in your bio, we read out that you are now pregnant with your second child, um, yeah. who is due Earthside shortly. Do you yes. feel much more prepared <laughs> this time around? Are you actually like, okay, I've got this in the bag now? Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> this child is totally different than Elliot's. Like, I can already feel its spirit is like very different. So, I'm <laughs> Elliot is the most cautious child on the planet. Like, okay. I really didn't have to worry about anything. When people talk about baby proofing, I was like, what? What do? What do you mean? Because this kid would not touch anything. So, like, I never had. And this, and the baby that's inside of me now. <laughs> It's a strong kicker. It's it's like literally taken over my entire body. Mm-hmm. Um, my mind, I feel like as well. Like it loves waking me up in the middle of the night. I just I just know that I'm in for a different experience with this one. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then back to the the topic of like being prepared and all of that. I did so much. Re- I was so focused on having a great birth experience. And Mm -hmm. I also was like, how the hell am I going to feed two babies at the same time? So like I did a, I did a breastfeeding course online because I was like, how the hell am I going to tandem feed? Like, I don't even know what that looks like. The amount of YouTube videos I watched on tandem feeding twins. I was like, this boggles my mind. Yes. Um, yes. And I wish I had done a sleep course. Like my husband and I were just talking about it. I was like, we needed so much help in the sleep department and we didn't do it until much further down the road. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, we were just in survival mode in the yes. beginning and we could have, yes. we could have been thriving so much earlier. Um, yes. Yeah. It's so. so funny you bring that up because that's a point of contention in our relationship because Jermaine is very much not for sleep training. <laughs> <laughs> and so we have a three and a half year old who has some sleep issues still. <laughs> still. Okay. I am. And, I, and so I, I shouldn't tell you I just finished sleep training. My no, I love that you did. Home. I think I responded to your Instagram and I was like, thank you, mama. That's so good. Good for you. Because yeah. I, I, um, and I have friends who, who have just recently had babies and, and done the sleep training thing. And it is, sleep is so important. It's so important. Yeah. And, I, for the first year when I was working, so I, uh, I'll go back a little bit. Yeah. I shifted my career quite a bit after having Elliot, I became pre and postnatal certified so that I could work for different companies where I could bring my baby with me mm. because that was part of something I needed to do. Mm-hmm. If Jermaine was going to be at home working in his new profession as a real estate agent, I needed to take the baby with me to my job. Mm-hmm. So I started volunteering and working for MumNet, um, where it would be, I would be teaching the fitness classes. And then it would also fulfill the social aspect of my life as well, mm. because I would be around other moms. Yeah. So I, I kind of took that shift in order to accommodate motherhood and, and my work life and what I wanted to do. And this was, of course, before the pandemic happened and all of that kind of shifted. But um, I remember being a total zombie in a few of of those classes 
I, I put it, I, I think I said, please touch your shoulder to your elbow or something absolutely ridiculous. That makes no sense. You know, <laughs> I just, um, I, I was not functioning at all. And my body took on that stress because again, I didn't, I'm not in a profession where I had a mat leave. Mm-hmm. And so I went back to work, um, quite quickly at four months postpartum, still fully exclusively breastfeeding. Um, and my body was just stressed. I wasn't sleeping. Mm-hmm. And of course it shows up all over, right? Like mm-hmm. I had crazy weight gain all of a sudden and, and all sorts of stuff. Not that that's a bad thing. I learned to embrace that my breastfeeding body was a bigger body and I'm totally cool with that. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Um, what wasn't fine was the fact that I was not mentally like on top of things because I was so sleep deprived. Yeah. The cognitive Mm -hmm. functioning. You're just like, I can't think of this word. Why can't I think of this word? Um, and it's, (laughs) and, uh, it's not, they call it mom brain, but it's not mom brain. It's sleep deprivation brain. Um, and we need to stop, we need to stop labeling it as part of being a mother um, because then it creates uh, a lot of discrimination in the workforce. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. just simply sleep deprivation and you know, we need to find ways of, of getting it. Um, okay. So back to the identity transition. Yes. I think this is a really valuable part of the conversation because I don't know if I was even ready to hear it, like, I don't know if I was ready to hear advice, like you become a new person, you birth a new person, as well as like while bringing life into the world. Um, I don't know if I just didn't have the right examples in my life or the people that had gone before me and had become mothers just didn't know how to communicate that to me. There seems to be this mom club you know, there's like this exclusive mom club and everyone winks and it's like, you'll find out when you become a mom. It's like, what's <laughs> that supposed to mean? It's like the conversation around like, you don't understand love until you look at your brand new baby. And it's like, what is that supposed to mean? So there's all these like sayings that happen with like a wink, like you'll find out. And it's like, uh, uh, why can't I understand this now? Like, why can't you explain it to me? Yeah. Uh, use, use your words. Um, yes. Like, don't be lazy about it. And so I don't know if I just didn't have the right eg- examples. Um, and like at the same time I was following women, she's actually been on my podcast. She's an ultra trail runner and she was running all throughout her pregnancy. And then basically it looked like she started running again, like the minute her baby popped out. And I was just like, oh yeah, I can totally bounce back. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I had no idea how long it was going to heal. Uh, yep. the, the, t- the time I would need to heal from an episiotomy. Like, yeah, I just, no one was talking about these things publicly because like who talks about their vagina? Um, or like who <laughs> feels very true. Yeah. Publicly. Um, because you know, with the lack of connection, especially during a pandemic, you don't have those, you know, coffee dates with girlfriends. Um, and you know, I was like, Hey, you want to go on zoom and talk to me about what, like how long your vagina took to heal? Like no one's really, <laughs> yes, no one's doing that. So, yeah. um, I, and I guess I didn't, I didn't have time to find the right podcasts or the right 
you know, YouTube videos with really like unapologetic, unapologetic women talking about this. So I missed out on kind of figuring out that I was going to have this shock to my system. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know that like your days feel like groundhog day every single day. I wasn't ready for having to do the exact same thing every single day, no Mm -hmm. variety. Um, and as someone whose business life, my, like my full-time jobs, my days have never been the same. So I've had so much variety, even with like stacking really great habits, having like the same morning routine, same evening routine, I would still have my bucket list. I have my summer bucket list, my winter bucket list, where I was bringing in all of this adventure and fun and things that I love to do. And now it's like, you get up, you feed the babies, you change the babies, you make sure the babies sleep. You barely get time for a shower. You've got to feed yourself as well. If you're breastfeeding mama, you have to make sure you're getting enough calories and water in. And then all of a sudden, uh, oh, and then try to go pee. Uh, now you need to find the time to use the peri bottle spray um, your perineum so that it heals properly. And then, oh, the, the twins are crying again, run and get that. Like, I just wasn't ready for like the nonstop one thing after another. And then, yep. um, you don't even go to sleep. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> um, it's like, now we're just going to lose the sun and it's just going to keep going throughout <laughs> the nighttime. And it's like, um, and that was so tough. And yeah, I, in my, solo episode introducing this series, I listened back to it and I could hear some of the emotion in my voice talking about it. Um, and I shared that like, I definitely had postpartum depression and now looking yeah. back at it, like it was full blown postpartum depression. Yes. But when I was talking to practitioners, I was like, no, I'm fine. Like I get it. It's hard. But like yes. I was daydreaming daily of running away. Like I would yes. literally picture walking out the front door and never coming home. And mm-hmm. that is not okay. Um, yeah, but it is no, it's, uh, I don't want to say normal. It happens all the time. It happens. Um, and that is postpartum depression. And, um, I think that was the hardest thing is I wanted to be in this like joyful, blissful bubble of being a new mom and soaking Mm -hmm. in my newborns. And I had two newborns and I had no idea what I was doing. And I was just so lost. Um, and I was like, where did Robin go? Like, I'm, this isn't Robin. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I feel, I feel your story. Um, and, and what you're saying, I had a little bit of a different experience because I will be totally honest without going into too much detail. I had a, I've had a previous diagnosis of mental health, um, a mental health disorder in my life from Mm -hmm. my early twenties. And so in preparing for birthing, Mm -hmm. uh, birthing Elliot, my son, I had a perinatal psychiatrist. I had all of these, my story is a little bit more up and down than just this, but I had all of these resources available. Mm. And I said this to, to my perinatal psychiatrist afterward. I said, if every single mom had the resources that were available to me, mm-hmm. we would be in a better place. I didn't have to leave the hospital for four days if I didn't feel safe, comfortable, able to look after myself or my baby. Mm. 
So I had incredible amounts of support. Mm -hmm. Not only was my husband well-researched in areas um, surrounding taking care of a baby, Mm. I I was also learning different um, postpartum mental illnesses that can arise and understanding them. Mm And not only that, I was being seen by a social worker. I was being seen by lactation consultants. I was being seen by my perinatal psychiatrist. Mm. I was having these conversations that are so fundamental about mental health Mm -hmm. in terms of how to to mother mentally be prepared to mentally uh, take that on. Mm. And what ended up happening, which is really interesting and going back, my, my partner, Jermaine ended up having postpartum anxiety Mm. and he didn't have the resources, but I had all of the resources. I had my perinatal psychiatrist up until a year postpartum. Okay. So I had these monthly Mm check-ins where I could say whatever was going on and explain my circumstance. Now, of course, there were lots of dips. And of course, being the people pleaser that I am, Robin, (laughs) and not being fully honest, which Mm. is like the worst thing to do with your psychiatrist is not be honest with them. Yeah. Let's be real. Um, I didn't share how dark things got Mm. at around around three months, between two and three months postpartum. Things got pretty, pretty dark. Um, And I was able to come out of it Um, but also I had the knowledge and I had the practice previously in my life from earlier years to recognize it, to understand what was happening Mm -hmm. and to see it for what it was. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the thing that's like so unbelievably overwhelming is that we don't have the, you don't necessarily have the tools to recognize what it is that's happening to you. And so that's, one of the things I talk about in my prenatal class that I teach, mm. I do a, a fourth trimester, basically a little like information series. And I specifically talk about um, the shift in the transition, like I mentioned. Mm-hmm. I talk about shifting in relationships. And then I specifically talk about mental health and mental health resources. And how absolutely crucial it is because your life gets flipped, turned upside down. Mm-hmm. Just to quote Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. <laughs> like, legitimately does. It yeah. legitimately does in so many different aspects. And it is very hard to find your footing. Mm-hmm. And people will tell you, oh, you'll find it. It'll be fine. But sometimes it's not fine. And sometimes you need that extra support and help. And sometimes, a lot of the time, it's not you that's recognizing that you need that help. It's it's a partner. Mm-hmm. And I always tell them, I'm like, make sure if it's if you're in a single relation if you're single or whoever is around who's going to be your secondary caregiver, because you're going to need a secondary caregiver for your child in, mm-hmm. in whatever aspect, whether that's your mother, your partner, or whoever. Um, make sure that they know you and know to ask certain questions to just kind of check in and see how you're doing mentally, right? Like just, just have these conversations, which are super, super hard to have. And it's very difficult to come up with what questions should be asked, right? Like 
like who who's gonna turn to you and be like do you feel like running away today yeah like, you know? <laughs> like yeah it's not something that's like thought of and I I feel like the questions that were asked of me it was so easy to lie um yes because they they're like have you thought of hurting yourself no have you thought of hurting the babies no like they're so mm-hmm. extreme instead of saying like um yeah just smaller questions like yeah. Yeah. Are you daydreaming about like what it would be like to have a shower that lasts longer than a minute? Like stuff like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just like the borderline things that like, um, yeah. alert someone that you're, you're having it. Like you, you need escapism tactics mm-hmm. to try to take yourself out of, out of the kind of the cycle of what it's like. Um, for me, I'm actually grateful that I advocated for um, psychiatric help during this time because I've always been a huge proponent of talk therapy. I've always had a talk therapist and, you know, moving across the country, I had to rebuild a healthcare team. And because yes. of the birth trauma that I experienced, I was having so much trouble processing that, that I, um, I raised my hand and said, I would like some help in that area in terms of processing the birth trauma, but I hadn't even, you know, thought that because of the birth trauma, I would experience PTSD. And Mm -hmm. then I would be stuck in this flight and fright mode where I wasn't able to complete the cycles. And so raising my hand and saying I needed help processing the birth trauma allowed me to see a public health therapist. Mm -hmm. And she was absolutely amazing. I'm so grateful for her. But yeah, if I hadn't raised my hand and said, I need help processing this because now it's showing up as postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression without having those labels. I didn't use the labels at the time. It would just be things like if the dogs were walking on the floor and their nails were clicking on the floor and the babies were crying, I would have a full blown like panic attack. Um, And I remember seeing in one of those like motherhood accounts, the, she posts the, like the, the burden of motherhood posts. And one of them was like the, the noise, how noise amplifies postpartum anxiety. I'm like, Oh, I have, I have postpartum anxiety. I didn't even realize that that's what this is. I thought I was just annoyed at my dogs, (laughs) (laughs) No, but it was just the extra amount of noise that would put me over the edge. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'm so glad. And I think we need to advocate for ourselves before it becomes dark. And we don't always know when that is, but I hope hearing conversations like this allow people to say like, okay, I'm getting close to daydreaming about running away. I better ask. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so important because like, I also have this and I should share this. This is something I, I want to do in the future. It's it's my fourth trimester yellow pages, <laughs> I call it. Um, and basically, it's just overall real uh, resources for holistic care for mothers. Mm. And um, I have a lot of different types of mental health professionals on there. Um, and it's growing, obviously, I, as I connect more and more to different people who, who want to help mothers out in this transitional period of their life. Um, from coaching to um, 
you know, psychotherapists, to people who specialize in postpartum depression, to people who specialize in fertility, to people who specialize in all of those different things. Mm. And I, I urge people to just keep those names in their back pocket. Mm-hmm. My, especially my clients, I'm like, just keep the names in your back pocket. Okay. And a lot of those people have free 15 minute consults mm-hmm. or you can call them up for a session and just, and just connect with them. I've had a lot of opportunity to talk to a lot of them. I know who they are. They will listen to you and they will help guide you in the right direction. So just know that those resources are out there. And I think it is super, super crucial that people identify and that they know that there are specifically people who specialize in perinatal or pre and postnatal mm-hmm. mental health mm. because there are a lot of different mental health um, disorders or, or or things that can happen mm-hmm. that you know may may appear as like psychosis or this that or the other but the symptoms are different when you're postnatal okay um, the symptoms are different and so somebody. I remember without going into specifics about anybody in in particular, but you know, somebody was in crisis that I saw Mm -hmm. and they were like, well, no, the psychiatrist isn't saying that they're in crisis. And I'm like, no, trust me. That is a, that is a postpartum person who is in a crisis Mm -hmm. and we need to help them. So it's really important that we recognize that there are specialists in this area and they are very willing to help and mm. they have the tools necessary to do so. Yeah. Okay. That's so great. Um, so let's talk about, you know, your return to work quote unquote, because you're bringing your baby along. Um, so what was it like creating work-life harmony for yourself as you were establishing you know, new boundaries for yourself, you know, you're bringing your child to classes, but you're also having to teach some things solo. So um, just give us kind of like an overview of how you have been creating work-life harmony. Okay, awesome. So it's, as honestly, with um, with the, both jobs that Jermaine and I do, so Jermaine's a real estate agent, and his days shift, just like you, you have different days. We, we have very, very different days. We don't know if we're going to have clients or whatever on his end. On my end, it's also the same thing. I'm also a performer, so I don't know if I'm going to have an audition. I don't know if I'm going to book a job. I don't know all of those things. So it's a constant work in process. In progress. It's a constant work in progress. There we yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to create this kind of harmony of when we're going to juggle. And so sometimes it's chaotic Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's not, but there's always this sense of like accomplishment after we achieve our goals or, or our work, our work goals essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. So Jermaine will sell a house and I will book a gig and we feel really good about what we accomplished in that aspect. But during that time, it's a little bit chaotic as mm. we try and decipher how we're going to figure out childcare. Mm. Um, so it is a constant battle in terms of figuring out harmony, but there's a few things that we do, um, especially since the pandemic, which I'm really grateful for. 
it's brought us together as like a family unit even tighter, right? Because we don't have any outside influence um, coming into our area. So we can talk. Uh, there are certain things that we've done in our life that we weren't doing before. So for example, there's no, this house is like alcohol free in general. We don't have that. Uh, we haven't turned on the television, like the big television in our house and probably since Elliot was born really. Hmm. Um, so we really do take time to talk to each other and yes, we have our own private time and yes, we'll watch a show on Netflix or whatever on our phones, Mm. but we don't sit in front of the TV and like zone out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything we do is, is okay. Well, what are you going to do tomorrow? What do you have planned for this? And then we can actually sit down and work it out like a team. And I think that's really important in terms of what, how we've chosen to parent Mm -hmm. and our lifestyle. Do you have weekly meetings, daily meetings? It's constant. It's all the time. Yeah. Like he'll come home. He, he just took Elliot out for lunch to, at the water. So they, they just made some dip, some lunch here and then they're going out to the water to eat lunch and then they'll come back. And um, the afternoon, we'll have our afternoon discussion of what the afternoon is going to look like and what yeah. the evening's going to look like. That, okay. That'll, it, it's, it's a constant thing. Constant. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah my, yeah. um, my guest before you, the episode hasn't aired at the time of this recording, but we were talking Um, and her and her husband have like a weekly meeting at the beginning of the week to say like, what do you have got going on? What do I have got going on? When are you taking your time to yourself? When am I taking my time? Uh, you know, childcare, what's going on here and there. So, um, that's really cool. My poor husband just gets everything put into his phone, (laughs) into into our, our shared calendar. Um, and we tried that. It didn't work for us. Oh, like, no. I literally, oh my goodness. I literally, because right now in the job that I do have, and because I'm not auditioning that much, cause I'm very pregnant. Um, <laughs> my, my schedule is actually quite predictable. So I was doing the same thing as you. I was like, okay, let me just write down my schedule for you so that you have it. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Next thing you know, next day. He, he's like, oh, I have a showing at that time. I was like, but I gave you my... It's in the calendar. <laughs> it's in the calendar. Yeah. I get all the time, like, um, what, what do we have tomorrow? Like, open your calendar. It's on your phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't work because, again, when um, with his job is specifically he's working on somebody else's schedule to accommodate their schedule. Yeah. And so, especially if it's a client that he really wants to help and they're like, we have this limited time. He's like, yeah. okay, let's just do it. Um, and so he has been, he's been quite a trooper in terms of um, finding ways to make it work. Mm. Um, you know, I, I have the luxury of stepping out of the home and going to the empty studio and teaching at the studio and, and being away from the space. Mm. Whereas he's, working with Elliot here. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's hard. Yeah. yeah I feel you. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's get into how you're taking care of yourself. So how would you say you nourish yourself? Um, I think what's really interesting right now is I nourish myself with my connection to others and like definitely through my job, which is a really weird thing to say because it's not necessarily for me, but it is for me. (laughs) Um, because I 
feel so fulfilled, empowered, rewarded by the work that I do. And I know that I'm making a difference in people's lives. And especially since the pandemic, people message me and they they tell me, right? And it's this constant flow of, okay, I'm staying active for myself and my mental health. That's mm-hmm. part of the reason why I'm a fitness instructor. Mm-hmm. It's part of the reason I'm, I'm not on a million <laughs> pharmaceuticals or whatever, because I have found a way to balance my my illness, I guess you would sort of say, Mm. I don't even know how to define it because I I don't want to live by, by the terminology. Yes, exactly. And so being active every day is something that I absolutely have to do. And so incorporating it into my work is, is great. Mm. And then being able to incorporate it into my work and help somebody else incorporated into their life yeah. is beyond fulfilling for me. Hmm. So that is something that I do daily. I I teach six days a week. And then on the day that I don't teach, I <laughs> go for walks with Elliot or Elliot and Jermaine. Yeah. And we're outdoors and that's how I'm fueling my soul is, is, Movement and activity is my method of communication with the world. Mm. And so I have to do that daily. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, and I think I don't like calling, you know, my MS a disease or illness. I call it my sidekick because it simply yes. teaches me how to take care of myself differently than I was before. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's there. It has a definition, but it has just like a, a warmer definition now. So it's not seen as a, a negative in my life. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so you and I know each other from um, way back when in, we used to go on fitness retreats together where we yeah. would like literally fly to a resort that was like an all-inclusive resort. And we would just go with a whole bunch of women. Um, Mm -hmm. and one of my friends ran the retreat and we literally just worked out three times a day and people were like, you're on vacation. Like, what are you doing? Um, Changing our lives. That's what we were doing. So becoming a mom, did you find that your fitness, um, and your weekly movement change was that hard from being such a high performer? dancer, fitness instructor. And then like now your body is not doing all the things that it could as you're healing and regaining strength and endurance. Yeah. Talk to me about that. That's a good question. That's a great thing to talk about because, um, my perspective on my body had to shift dramatically because again, as I was saying at that four month period, I, I gained weight again. I, I, I went up to probably the same weight I was when I was pregnant after losing that losing weight. And, um, you know, my, my breastfeeding body again, people would say, Oh, you know, you're, you're breastfeeding. You'll, you, you'll lose weight with breastfeeding. Yeah. No, no I gained my, weight with breastfeeding. No, I gained weight with breastfeeding. It my body was stressed. My mind was stressed. Everything was stressed. And you know, my body loves hormones. It loves relaxing. I love to keep relaxing around. I breastfed for two and a half years. Okay. I had joint pain for two and a half years. Wow. And I was working 
quite consistently many, many hours by the time Elliot was one, um, probably by the time he was like seven months anyway. And, um, I, my body did not feel like my body for the entire breastfeeding journey that I was on. Mm. And I was resolved and okay with that. Um, but boy, oh boy, was it hard to, (laughs) to navigate that in the world socially, Mm. because I'm like this fitness instructor and like, you know, people would, people would literally compare me to other people on Instagram and say, well, her body looks like this and her, I'm like, her journey is completely different than mine. Mm. Also her genetics also everything else. She's a different person. (laughs) I'm not going to look like her. That's okay. Mm -hmm. That's okay. I may have to modify exercises for my entire breastfeeding journey, which I did. I had to modify Mm. because I would sprain my ankle or hurt my knee or um, have pelvic floor issues Mm. because again, my body was just, it was still in a process of doing another job. Mm -hmm. It was doing something else. It was feeding another human being and therefore it was working overtime and me putting that much pressure on it didn't make any sense. So why was I doing that? Like in that way, in that mental headspace, once I changed my mindset to say, Oh no, this is how this body functions. Mm -hmm. This breastfeeding body that is taking care of another human being does not function in the same way as Rochelle, the athlete who doesn't have to look after uh, another human being and their nutritional needs. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's the transition again. You know, there's the identity transition, but then there's also the the body transition. Your body did a certain job as you were pregnant. You were growing humans, and we give our bodies so much grace during that time. Um, and I, again, I surround myself with so many high achievers and a, a lot of athletes that like, I had so many women around me that were like, you know, still working out, running obstacle course races, ultras, all while yes. pregnant. And then, you know, a twin pregnancy is a whole other ball game that I wasn't prepared for. And I was like, Oh, yes. I'm carrying two humans. Oh, even just walking is so painful yes. that I can't even do it. Okay. I'm going to be completely sedentary for a couple of months. I have to accept that. And then I'm like, okay, once the babies come, like I'll be fine. I'll get back to everything. No, I wasn't able to, I was healing from birth trauma and I had to learn, you know, now I've got a new body that has to heal and I have to give myself grace and forgiveness um, and not try to bounce back that whole bounce back mentality that's talked about so much. That drives me crazy. You have no idea, Robin. It is like such a thing that like makes me so mad. I'm like, you cannot go backwards. You cannot go backwards in life and in so many aspects of what we're dealing with in the world right now. But I would like to bounce forward. Yeah, exactly. But I would like to bounce forward at a certain rate and I'm not bouncing forward at a certain rate. And that's really hard. It's Um, really hard. It's very frustrating. But you have to, I think that the biggest thing is like, we went through this amazing evolution of self, Mm. right? And so there is this, and I say this too, which I want to say here, we give babies the opportunity to grow, right? We tell (laughs) them you can, you can, you know, learn to crawl, learn to walk, then learn to run. And we tell moms, oh, by the way, you're sprinting. 
you're sprinting. You just, you just became a mother. You're like off at the gate. You're, you should be down the hill by now. Yeah. You know, like you should be off and running. What are you talking about? You need time there. We really need to give ourselves pay, ourselves patience. Mm. I mean, it's so, I get it. The process is, is a lot. I mean, but you're very early in your postpartum journey. You're you're 10 months postpartum. You're not even a full year. Those babies are very much still a part of like you physically, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's the hardest thing is mm-hmm. like we in society, we never give <laughs> grace yeah. and patience and we never reward it. It's never great to like sit down and be like, okay, I need to relax. Like let's yeah. reward that. You know, and so I think that's the thing that with this thought process that needs to happen is like, you know, you need to be patient. Things will shift and change as they do, as we evolve, as we grow, as our circumstances change, right? Mm-hmm. And as your babies change and grow. So um, I, I think that's the hardest thing. It's like the biggest lesson is like, just got to be, just got to be patient. And everybody's journey is completely different, Mm -hmm. completely different. So that whole thing of like seeing people on social media, you know, doing their thing again, all of a sudden, it's really hard to not compare yourself when you see that. It's so hard. Yeah. yeah, The the comparisonitis journey is such, (laughs) such an issue. And also I don't know if this is something that like, we need to talk about ad nauseum because, you know, I definitely heard you have to have patience with yourself. You have to give yourself grace. Um, but that's really hard for an overachieving alpha female and an yep. ambitious alpha female. Um, and like the concept, I understand patience. I understand grace, but then putting that into practice is a whole other ball game. And you talk about, you know, we give our babies time to grow, time to develop, you know, uh, they hit a certain month. And if they're not walking, we're like, we're not like, Oh, you have to start walking now. We're like, mm-hmm. Oh, they'll start walking when they want to start walking is like, you know, Oh, you're only doing three workouts a week. Well, why aren't you doing four workouts a week? You're doing three workouts a week. We should be celebrating and like clapping, but we celebrate the six workouts a week people and seven workouts a week and twice yeah. a day because that's so much more ambitious than, yeah. yeah. And it's, oh, it's such a, yeah. Uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting world, the social media. The point that I, I want to kind of circle back to is um, the podcast I, res- I recorded this morning. It's going to be the episode after you. Okay. Um, and she talks about how we get to choose our mindset. And what a gift social media is that we have, you know, the opportunity to look at all these different women, how they're mothering, how they're um, healing, how they're getting back into fitness or how the, you know, how maybe they aren't taking any breaks. And instead of saying, oh, I wish I could have that, I could say, okay, what's possible in my life right now? And what can I do for myself? I'm inspired by what they're doing. And so I'm going to take aspects of that and put it into my life. And, you know, it's how it's one of the reasons why I have the podcast. Not everybody's life on this podcast is going to be applicable to everyone. But what can you take from each episode and say, you know what, I'm going to try this on for size and see if it fits. Um, And so that's a kind of a great kind of perspective as we 
you know, mm-hmm. that's a great, great perspective. That's a great perspective. Like how can we apply, like staying true to yourself, your individuality, how can you apply or some of the tools that other people have implemented and, and put them into your life. Mm-hmm. And I want to just say this really quickly because I don't think you know how much you've changed my life in terms of, um, I'm probably going to get emotional about this, <laughs> but in terms of going back to the retreat, I remember you sitting beside me and I remember you handing me that quote, um, which don't we put, in, the, fr- we put yeah, in the show just, notes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. And you have no idea how much I needed to hear that in order to take hold of my life and to start creating a path that was mine. Before that happened, before I went on that retreat, I was like very much in a state of turmoil. Um, I, I was living under this restriction of this diagnosis and, and these limitations that were being placed on me. And I had forgotten that I was a dreamer. And so that quote was extremely relevant for me. And it was something that I needed to have. And it was something I needed to live by. And it enabled me to take responsibility for my past choices and my past decisions and to move forward. And it's the same thing that happened on that retreat in general with other aspects of our lives as we sat down and talked with Andrea or Eva or whoever we were, who was leading the group. It was this idea. Oh, um, yes. It was this idea that, you know, we can take ownership of our own individuality and our own choices and we can create and design a life that we want. And then I will also say that you said it specifically in the group, this thing about celebrating accomplishments. I had never in my life thought about that before. Mm. And my self-worth at that time leading up to it, I know it doesn't seem like it because I, I, I'm very like, oh, out there, you know, kind of crazy um, person, but I, I'm very guarded about my own personal journey. And um, I had never taken a moment to like even look in the mirror and, and celebrate how much I had accomplished in my life up until that point. And I remember I went, I went back to the hotel room. I did my hair for dinner and stuff like that. And I looked in the mirror and I thought, I have accomplished things in my life. I am um, a successful person, you know? And I do want to say that that has to do with you, your influence. So thank you. I'm not crying. You're crying. (laughs) Um, There's so many times in our lives where we don't get to fully understand the impact that our words have on other people. So thank you for sharing that gift with me. Um, that's absolutely amazing. Thank you. I think it's so applicable because I always ask my guests, like, what piece of advice would you give a 20 something alpha female? And I think it's perfect. Like you mustn't be afraid to dream a little bigger, darling. Um, exactly. So I I think that's a perfect place to wrap up, but answer my last question of the podcast. And what is your definition of happiness? Okay. So first and foremost, I will say finding peace within oneself. Mm. Um, I think that is definitely where happiness comes from. 
um, finding contentment, loving, loving yourself, acknowledging your own uniqueness, your own capabilities, and the power that you have, and then sharing that with other people. Thank I you. I think that so can bring beautiful. joy. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. I so appreciate it. I, I, I really, really do from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. Have you downloaded the Work-Life Harmony Worksheet yet? In this free guide, I walk you through how to optimize five key areas of your life so that you can start designing your own work-life harmony. So from nutrition to supplements, sleep, stress management, and reducing your toxic load, I share tips and tricks that get you thinking on how you can optimize your life currently. So I ask you simple questions that just get you to rethink different aspects of your life. I walk you through a prioritization exercise so you can figure out which area of your life you actually want to maybe overhaul or tackle or just make small changes in first. So you can download that over at bit.ly forward slash work life harmony worksheet, all one word, bit.ly forward slash work life harmony worksheet. Thank you for listening to the Alpha Female Podcast. Be sure and visit robinbaldwin.com. That's Robin with a Y, B-A-L-D-W-I-N for access to show notes and other amazing blogs. If you loved this episode of the Alpha Female Podcast, be sure to head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review so more amazing Alpha Females are able to find this content. It's so very much appreciated that you take this small effort to help this show succeed. 